Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Besides helping us to make shows like this possible, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts like Tep and Step, access to all 61 years of the magazine in our digital archives, recruiting analysis, and must-see insight from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, we hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe that's texasfootball.com slash subscribe and thanks for listening the texas football today podcast is brought to you by chocolate milk built by nature you can watch texas football today live weekdays at noon at texasfootball.com and on facebook and if you like the show subscribe to the podcast vendor of your choice give us a positive rating and tell a friend Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. I am Ashley Pickle, the video director for Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, and TexasFootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us, whether you're watching us on Facebook, because Zuck figured out... Yeah. Um, the equation to get Facebook back up, but we're back there or YouTube or Twitch or on texasfootball.com. Thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here at the helm a little bit different today. Sitting over there in the Malpal zone is uh, like Malpal. <laughs> How are you, Malpal? I'm doing well. I like the Malpal zone. There you go. Malpal pickle zone. No, no. <laughs> pickle <laughs> Malpal zone. I was going to say, someone come up. Y'all are y'all are more creative. Come up with a uh, come up with a name for that. Yes, uh, the please. helm over there. <laughs> Today is Tuesday, October fifth. Fifty-one days until Thanksgiving. October fifth. The birthday of Brian Johnson, who is 74 years old. Do you know who that is? I don't. Lead singer for ACDC, the one that came oh. in after Bon Scott. My so mom's going to get mad at me for not, not knowing, knowing that. that. Hopefully she's not watching right now. <laughs> Happy birthday to Brian Johnson. On today's show, friends, another big, beefy show, as Tepper has, I think, famously coined the term there. <laughs> but we're going to start off with our impactful leader honoree, move on into answering those college uh, burning questions we talk about the questions on Thursday recap them here today so we'll have that and luckily luckily we have college football expert Mallory Hartley here Uh. to be able to help with that then we'll move on to our Dairy Max built by chocolate milk assistant coaches of the week Two's ways, baby. Yeah. Craig Way, the Hall of Famer, joins us to look at the scope of Texas high school football heading into week seven. Then we announce the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week. And finally, we wrap it all out with our Dave Campbell's Texas Football Top 10 Plays of the Week, brought to you by our good buddies, Dave Campbell's Texan Live. So very excited about that. And before we get into that gauntlet of a show, Mal <laughs> Please do bear we with us. have first four through the door? We sure do. It was Aaron Arbuckle, Ed McElroy, Rob Hadaway, and Tony Blaylock. Welcome in, fellas. A very veteran crew. Oh, yeah, that's that's say. an OG squad right there, it no is. doubt about it. Welcome in, friends. All right, Malpal, before we get to those burning questions, let's go ahead and get an order of business out of the way. 
And that is the Dave Campbell's Impactful Leadership Award presented by First National Bank of Omaha. We recognize 10 influential Texas high school football athletes who are leaders both on and off the playing field. And this week, our Dave Campbell's Texas Football Impactful Leadership Award presented by First National Bank of Omaha. Honoree is Whitesboro athlete Jake Herms. Jake is a four-sport athlete playing football, basketball, baseball, and track. Jeez. Jake also helps at his parents' farm and is a lifeguard at the city pool. He's active in his church and part of the elementary school reading program. This kid does it all. Jake is a great field, a great leader on the field and is basically an extra coach on the field. That's what that's what his coaching staff says. And when he leads, others follow. So congratulations to Jake Herms of Whitesboro High School, who is the Dave Campbell's Impactful Leader Award presented by First National Bank of Omaha. Just, you know, light work there for Mr. Herms. Oh, I could do that in my sleep. No yeah. big deal. That's that's easy. Give me something hard. Absolutely. All right, Mal Pal. We've got to get this is on me, but we have to get some sort of intro, like crazy flame intro into this next segment. But yeah, we're going to go ahead and recap week five of the college football weekend. Tons of questions to get to. We revisit the burning questions that we answer every single Thursday. And this time we get to see how right uh, Mr. Greg Tupper was. So or wrong or wrong, which we prefer <laughs> that. But we prefer wrong. <laughs> Malpal. What is our first question? Let me go ahead and get it up there. It is, what percent chance do you give SFA to knock off the number one team in the nation? Now it's at 0%. 0% chance, <laughs> <laughs> but boy, howdy, it almost happened. That was a game. It really was. That was our Good small Lord. college game of the week. Our college football insider, Mike Craven, was down there to witness it down there in the Piney Woods. Mm -hmm. um, and you know what? 21 to 20, Sam yeah. Houston State ends up creeping out over SFA and Man, they almost had him. Now, yeah. let's go ahead and and throw this out there. Sam Houston was without their quarterback and their kicker, <laughs> which played a factor at the end of the game there. Yeah. Um, and and overall, I think, I think Craven hit the nail on the head when he said that Sam Houston State looked like a team that just knows how to win, and SFA yeah. wasn't quite there right. yet. I think I mentioned too that good teams, good championship caliber teams like Sam Houston State. Mm -hmm. they're going to find a way to win, you know, and yeah, they had their starting quarterback out, Eric Schmidt, and they had to throw in Keegan uh, Shoemaker, but they found a way to win. He found mm -hmm. a way to win. And that's, that's the difference between a really good team and a, and a good team. You right. Know? And that was the thing yeah. at, at one point, I mean, SFA, Kobe Carthel, they, he had his boys fired up. You could see that on yes. Twitter all week. He had his boys fired up. They had a lead right there about a 14 point lead. And then it was, you know, in the fourth quarter when Sam yeah. Houston really started to creep back, you just kind of saw the momentum in the stadium mm -hmm, shift. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh man, we had them and I just don't know if we can hold them off. Yeah. So a little bit more work to do there with SFA, but they almost had them yeah. um, and just a really good win by Sam Houston. If they're going to continue to show that they're the number one team in, in this realm of football, it, it takes games like that being without your starting quarterback and pulling it off against a really good SFA team. Right. So just a little unmatched in a, a program that is, is used to winning yeah. there. And we were talking about it too. Like they, they were, SFA was in control for, 90 percent mm -hmm. of that game you know but when it really mattered they just couldn't Good hold on and, and they, they were down by Sam Houston State was down by 14 points in the fourth quarter so they mm -hmm. came back from a 14 point deficit in the fourth quarter to beat SFA absolutely what's next 
let me pull it up. Sorry about that. No, we're good. <laughs> We've got what's the key matchup for UTEP to move to four and one? How about them miners? Let me go ahead and throw that out there. Miners, man, can you hear the bowling pins off in the distance? Yes, I can. This might be a minor squad that, man, this is really looking to the point where they might end up going bowling. They've got yes. Southern Miss left on their schedule. They have Rice left on their schedule. There's Dare a good I say UNT? That I think pain. <laughs> yes. Oh. No, absolutely. They I mean they take on UNT and right now they're they're rolling. I mean, here's here's the thing. They they go in against what is a butt team in ODU, 28-21, and it it looked a little bit dicey. They were they were not leading heading into the fourth. Mm -hmm. ODU kind of had their number there and we're thinking, come on, guys, like you can't if you're going to have an opportunity to make some noise in Conference USA, this was a game that they had to go out there and win, and they did. did. And that's something from a, a UTEP team that we haven't seen in forever. They didn't hang their head down. Gavin Hardison had a – I mean, he did what they needed him to do. 10 for 20, 191 yards, two touchdowns. He, Him and uh, Jacob Cowing were really connecting on those crucial long plays that they needed. I mean, Cowing had 29.5 yards per reception. He only had four of them, but it, was, it shows that when they – they needed someone to step up. They had the guys to do it. And that is something right. we haven't seen from a minor squad in so long. And one, I think Tepper had mentioned this too when you guys first brought in this question that one of the key matchups to winning this game was stopping the run, mm -hmm. you know, and that's exactly what they did. They held ODU to 88 rushing yards. So. And that's huge because ODU has zero yeah, passing, passing game, <laughs> like zero. And so that's really good on those defensive coaches for UTEP saying, look, just go out here and do uh -huh. this. And they did it. And that's that's so big. But boy, howdy, those UTEP miners just might stink and do it. And I'm telling you right now, we're scheduling a watch party for that bowl mm -hmm. game. Really, really happy for them. And we're hoping that people are starting to take take notice and we can get some people out there for the Sun Bowl. But, I mean, that, that matchup right there, they could be 5-1 and one heading into that – or they could be five wins heading into that Rice game. And then yeah. if, if they can do that – yeah, they got they got Southern Miss next week, which I think we should have them as a win. And then mm -hmm. they've got that Rice game, which would be that last game for them to go bowling. And that would be so awesome, and I, man. I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but this looks like a team that could potentially beat UNT as well it and really come does. off in a seven game. A seven-win season. <laughs> and, man, talk about yin and yang. Congratulations to uh, Coach Dana Dimmel and yeah. that, those UTEP Miners out there on that big win. What is next, Malpal? It is... Which undefeated team are you buying? Baylor or Oklahoma State? This game was... Uh. <laughs> there is one simple fact mm. to this game. You cannot have three interceptions come no. into your hands from the opposing quarterback and, and do lose. nothing with them. There is no excuse. And that doesn't end up on Baylor's defense. I mean, the the uh, question for us, you know, was it's, it's always been Baylor's offense, and it's like this game really showed exactly what those issues were. And the issue with it is, is they could not get anything going mm -hmm. offensively. And how frustrating is that for a defense to sit there and go, we are literally taking the ball from Spencer Rattler and handing it to you and yeah. nothing. I mean, just nothing. Yeah. You can't, you can't go into this game as the third ranked rushing team in the nation and then do what you did. Like you said, Spencer Sanders threw three picks. Mm -hmm. They didn't do anything with it and they still lost. I mean, 
you, how, there's no there's no excuse for that. No, there's and the really no excuse. game too. I mean, having having 29 carries for 52 yards from their running back is just. <laughs> what are you supposed to do right. with that? You cannot. You don't have this star-studded quarterback that can just take it and and convert right. on those. You have to be able to get that running game going, and they just haven't been able to do that. And right. that's going to be a big issue heading forward in Big Twelve play if they mm-hmm. if they cannot find a way to convert on turnovers because they're not exactly the caliber of a team that can just go out and single-handedly beat people. You have to capitalize on opportunities, and they just weren't able to do that. A very frustrating uh, loss there right. from for Baylor. And I think going into this game, too, people thought this was going to be a good matchup just because both they're both similar, mm-hmm. both very defense-heavy teams, and they just – neither one really looked – I mean, and it's like Baylor's defense could have stopped their offense. Their OSU's offense did not look very no. good at all. So no. they had every opportunity to stop them just – couldn't and they make it happen all right what's next coming up next we have is there suddenly reason for concern about rice's defense and i don't know i think they looked a little bit better than they did how about that i mean uh, hoot hoot 24 to 19 win over southern miss and this is again kind of going back to the same thing that we talked about with um the UTEP game is a fact that Southern Miss is also absolutely at the bottom mm-hmm. of Conference USA. I mean, this is a team that is just – there's a lot more issues, I think, than just on-the-field play with the with the with all the coaching changes that they've had. Just haven't been able to have any sort of consistency. Mm-hmm. They are bad, real bad. Yeah. But this is the type of game – there is not a whole lot of games throughout the season where Rice goes in as a favored opponent. And it's not one of those like, oh, they could pull out the win. It's, oh, they should pull out the win. And the big, the big overarching picture here – I'm not saying that this was a super pretty win mm-hmm. – um, I'm not saying that there isn't still a little bit room of concern for for that Rice's defense, you know, but on the on the bright side of it, two wins in a row for Rice. You don't see that very often, and it's like I think that they've really hit gold in kind of almost figuring out a, a quarterback. We've talked about that with UNT before. We've talked about it with Rice. Mm-hmm. There was no consistency. No. Snip, snap, snip, snap, and it's like I know that there were some injuries there, but Jake Constantine, 16 for 192, two touchdowns, and the big the big story, defense picked off four passes. So yeah. if there was room for concern, they they had a they had a hot game. Right. And I was going to say too when you have that concern on offense, that's a time where your defense really needs to step up. And that's exactly what they did. Like you said, they had four picks in that game and that's a lot better than they've played all season. So I think that definitely this defense is trending upwards. Now do I think they're going to stop a team like UTSA? I don't think so. Yeah, you got a big, big idle week ahead yeah, of them for, yeah. for Mike Bluegrim and company right there. <laughs> right, right. What's next, Malpal? Up next, speaking of UTSA, how about this game? Yeah. How about this game? Yeah, the the question there was was make a play on the line. UTSA was favored yeah. by 21. Um, Tepper specifically said that was too rich for him. I completely yes. agree. And, and obviously, that was the correct answer. A 24-17 to win over UNLV. I have my own opinion on this game. Go, go for it, as okay. I'm interested to hear what you say. Okay. The fact is, they're coming off a big win against Memphis mm-hmm. last week. They're probably tired, you know. Yeah. They're coming into this game playing a UNLV team that's what they were 0-4, 0-5 mm-hmm. going into this game. UTSA knows that. They're not going to go out in this game and give it their all. Mm-hmm. 
because next week they've got to play Western Kentucky. Yeah, and that's a night game at the top of the hill, which is, in Conference USA speak, incredibly difficult regardless of what kind of year – and Western Kentucky is cooking with that Houston Baptist <laughs> offense, man. We can talk about that another time. <laughs> they almost cooked us this weekend. But, but yeah, God. like like I was saying, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't remember what I was going to say, but okay, well, that's I, I don't fine. even remember I what I was going to say. I think oh, UNLV. Go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. I think UNLV had a good game plan. They went in there. They yeah. they had a handle on Sincere McCormick, and that's something that you have to do, and that's something that Sincere McCormick, especially heading into conference play, is going to have to keep back there in his memory banks is the yeah. fact that that offensive line is going to have a lot of work cut out for them to open holes for him because every single person is game planning for them. But Frank Harris did what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the offensive line needs to be a tad bit better. Mm-hmm. But like you said, a big physical contest against Memphis oh. last week. They haven't had their bye week. It's it's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, make it through this, get to that bye week, and then move on from there. But overall, you win your clunkers, good on your UTSA, and you're heading into Conference USA play now with, with a big chip on your shoulder ready to continue the success. I remember what I was going to say Go now. I was going to say, I, I think this game was a little bit closer than UTSA mm-hmm. wanted it to be. I mean, they were – it, the score was 17 to 10, almost heading into the fourth quarter. With yeah. like three minutes left, UTSA ended up scoring. But I think this game was a lot closer than they had hoped for. But then again, I'm just saying, this is not a game that they were going to go all out for. Mm-hmm. They were just trying to get through this week. They're already starting in their minds, I think, preparing for next week as well. So I think this was just kind of one of those weeks where they're going to use it as a booster, you know, fix some stuff that maybe they had not been doing well oh, yeah. against the Memphis game. Um but, yeah, a uh, good one for UTSA. They're going to need it heading into this week for sure. Absolutely. What do we have up next? Up next, we have <laughs> – this is a good one. This is a good one. <laughs> do you think the SMU pre-planned the planning of the flag after they beat TCU? And, look, 41-17 to 17 over USF. Now, I'm not here to tell you that USF is a good team. They're yeah, not. No. They're, they have – Fallen significantly. Mm-hmm. Not not a good team there. But, you know, they went out there and they beat a team that they were much better than in, in emphatic fashion. And it's kind of one of those things. Um, it was close heading into the fourth. It, it really, was. really was. And then they got those two points uh, or the two touchdowns, go up 14, kind of seal the deal there. So I think the score looks a little bit better than what it could have been. Um, and, and you look at this too, Tanner Mordecai, I mean, 29 for 301, four touchdowns, one interception. He did what he needed to do. The issue I'm seeing here is there needs to be – we need running backs back. Ulysses Bentley mm-hmm. being out is is dicey. That needs to come back. Um, and look, you, you win against La Tech and a Hail Mary, and then you get a good handy win over TCU, and then it's kind of like they almost kind of pulled this one out in the fourth quarter. They're – they're going, and and you take wins where you can get them, but they're going to have to have that rushing attack really come back. You need Ulysses Bentley healthy if you're going to continue on in, in AAC play. Mm-hmm. And I think we should expect to see them coming back very soon. Um, I think that uh, Craven wrote an article. I haven't had the chance to read it, but saying that, you know, they're coming back. They're, they're rushing. Their ground game is going to come back very soon, and like you said, which they'll very desperately need heading into – conference play mm-hmm. what's up or next? not conference play excuse me yeah conference, yeah, conference play, play. I, I was right <laughs> oh i was not ready for this i'm sorry okay next question we have how does tech's offense change with her- henry <laughs> henry columbia at quarterback my goodness goodness gracious red raiders 
You cut it too what? close. So yeah. 23 to 20. They pull out the win at West win, by God, Virginia. And here's the thing going, going to West by God, Virginia, never an easy task. And that's just one of those things. It's a long road trip for all the big 12 teams. Mm-hmm. It's, it's never a guaranteed win. It gets really loud there. They really had them going, but Tech did have a ton of injuries at this one, and I think Henry Columbia did exactly what he needed to do. You know, Tyler Shuck obviously out with a broken collarbone, probably not going to be back this season. If he is, it's going to be real late, but I just don't see that happening. But it's kind of like they figured out what they need to do. Now, the thing about it was they went up really early, that 17 nothing, and then let them creep back, and you can argue whether or not that has more to say about the Tech defense than it does against uh, with the offense. But overall, I think when you add in this quarterback who wasn't the designated starter at the beginning of the the year and you say all right even when that defense kind of laid down there for a bit and they were able to creep back up you had your guy and they trusted him to get them into field goal range to win this game which they did and that trust when you have a Matt Wells program that hasn't been too hot mm-hmm. a quarterback that they didn't want to start the year off I think that says a lot about where this tech team feels about having Columbia out there at the helm it's funny, I was reading a couple of articles from last year, and it, a lot of people were saying Henry Columbia is just not a big 12 caliber quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I think this weekend he proved that he could hang with the big dogs. He had he threw for 266 yards, completed 68% of his passes. Now, he didn't throw a single touchdown pass. They were able to get it close enough to where Sir Roderick Thompson could rush it in mm-hmm. uh, for two touchdowns. But I think he can hang, and I think that's really good news for this Tech offense. I think the day after the game, Matt Wells was probably like, thank you for winning this game Mm -hmm. because he was certainly on the hot seat before this game. He really needed to win this game, you know, and I I still think that's in question. I think Mm -hmm. Matt Wells is still, you know, could still be on the hot seat, of course. But But I think this win – takes the spotlight off of him a little bit. And that's really, he really needed that win. Absolutely. All right. What's next? Up next we have is TCU's defense actually bad or just off to a poor start. Okay. One, I think that the TCU defense is just, it's just hot or cold. It's, Mm -hmm. it's hard to tell. I don't, I can't get a read on it, but the issue here, let's completely ditch this question and go to the issue here. Gary Patterson, why are you not giving the ball to Zach Evans? Uh, yeah, 15 carries in this game. You got. What are you doing? Yeah, you've got a dude that should have gone to Alabama or Georgia, Georgia and or- he chooses TCU, and you're giving this dude 15 carries in a game while Bijan Robinson, same exact talent yeah. level as him, is getting over 30 carries. Mm-hmm. Gary Patterson. What's your game plan, man? I just don't. What is your game plan? I don't understand why. And TCU has always been a defensive-minded team. We know mm-hmm. that they'll figure it out. He'll he'll either get them going or it's just going to be a bad TCU year. I just don't understand when you have a quarterback like Max Duggan who is not exceptional. He's fine. He does what he needs to do. You have this this NFL caliber guy right here, and you're barely giving him the ball. I just I don't understand the want mm-hmm. for this balance attack when you don't have the personnel there for it to be a balanced attack, but you have this clear shining trophy right in front of you and you're not using it. I just, I can't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't know if he's set in his old ways, if, if what it is, but the fact that TCU is not giving the ball to Zach Evans more, there's the actual issue with the TCU team on the other side of this. Obviously they played Texas. 
you can't stop B. John Robinson. I'm just going to say it. Like What a guy. I mean, dude had, what, four touchdowns yeah. in this game? You can't stop him. You're he's not, a grown man. You're not going to stop him. Yeah, he's a grown man. He's a grown man. He got the, go- the, the job done when they needed him to. Good on you, Texas. You know, an, another win there for Sark. And Sark is comfortable calling those plays. And he feels good in a running back that everyone questioned why Tom Herman didn't. So he's doing the job yeah. that he needs to. So good on you, Texas. TCU has got to get the ball to Zach Evans or I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. What's next, Malpal? I think this is our last question. Can Houston be an AAC contender if the passing offense is just okay? And I think this question was very well answered this week. Yeah, 45-10 to 10 win over Tulsa. Good job, Houston. You went out there and they, they absolutely handled got the job done. Clayton Toon was, was good, 17 for 24, mm-hmm. 241 yards, two TDs, a pick. I mean, QBR of, of uh, 86, and it's like, okay, you know, he – you don't have to ask him to throw for 300 yards mm-hmm. a game. Just go out there. I think Alton McCaskill is yeah, fantastic I was gonna say, at running back. This dude was the, the story mm-hmm. of this game, and this should give Houston fans a lot of hope. This dude's a freshman. Three touchdowns in the first half. Yeah. When you get him going, who needs a pa- who needs a, right. a, a decent passing game when you've got – this dude who can he's pretty much a Bijan Robinson who can run that whole run game you right know? yeah no I, I do think I think that I think that they can be okay with an okay passing game I think 241 yards from Clayton June in the passing game definitely helps and mm-hmm. will solidify sure. wins like this and get them those style points that they need I think they can survive with it um but no I think Houston did well and uh before we move on real fast there was one I think I accidentally skipped it over on the thing but uh I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this game uh A&M Oh, it that's will, right. Will that's the right. AM offense wake up against a mediocre Mississippi State defense? 26 to 22, terrible, awful, but O line has got to figure out what they're doing. Right. The O line there. It was bad. Zach, Zach Calzada, we, we talk a lot about how bad of a quarterback he is. Here's a newsflash I don't think he has enough time to try and get anything done because that offensive line is playing so bad. The, you know, the defense, I mean, zero sacks, zero pressure. They kind of let the this Mississippi State offense that hadn't really been doing much sit there and open wide up on them. And it's just, man, they've yeah. got a lot of stuff to figure out. And we can end this conversation there. But the main thing is that right. offensive line. I don't care if Hanks King is out. I don't care if Zach Calzada is in. I don't care if Zach Calzada is the worst quarterback in the world. He has to have more time to throw or he's not going to be able to do anything. Right. It's also a problem for the run game, too. You've got a good running back in Isaiah Spiller. We mm-hmm. talked about him at the beginning of the season. He should be up there for one of the best running backs almost in the nation. You know, Absolutely. He only had 16 carries, 100 yards. But, I mean, yeah, a lot of that obviously has to it's do with the offensive, the offensive line. line. It can't it's create holes for him. Dumpster fire. Right. So, really, it comes down, of course, like you said, Calzada can't mm-hmm. throw, right? He can't can't throw under pressure. But yeah, it com- all comes down to that offensive line. It really, that's their problem. They yep. can get that figured out, give Zach, Sal- Zach Calzada more time than he's getting. They should be better than what they're producing. I completely agree. So there you go. There is reviewing week five college football burning questions. Again, we will do that segment again on Thursday with a new round of questions heading into week six. But before we get Craig Way on the phone here, Malpal, we have another order of business to do announcing our assistant coaches of the week. Sorry. No, no you're I'm good. We'll let you get this pulled up here. The, I have not uh, done this before, so... 
um, assistant coach of the week. Yes, Derry Max and Derry Dave Max. Campbell's Texas Football are proud to team up this year to honor excellence in coaching and the hard work that assistant coaches put in on behalf of their teams. Each week, the Texas football staff will nominate four deserving assistant coaches across the state for the Derry Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week and let fans decide via Twitter poll who you think should win that it all leads up to the dairy max built by chocolate milk assistant coach of the year decided at season's end and here we go our dairy max built by chocolate milk assistant coach of the week nominees for week six arlington lamar offensive coordinator cam sanders the vikings averaged a whopping 9.1 yards per play headlined by quarterback Jaden morris's four touchdown performance in a 62 to 49 shootout win over rival Ar arlington bowie up next, Victoria West offensive coordinator Gage Perry in a wild rivalry game at the crossroads. The Warriors rang up 535 yards of total offense, including 440 from quarterback Braden Ludecker in a 63-46 win over Victoria East. Melissa defensive coordinator Nate Hemsley. The Cardinals put on a virtuoso defense performance, handling number one Argyle in its first shutout loss since 2008 in a dominating 21 to nothing victory over their defensive rivals. Quite impressive, quite impressive from Nate Hemsley and his staff there. And finally, Tallulah defensive coordinator Matthew Engel. The Hornets pitched their third shutout of the season, holding Dimmitt to just 89 yards of total offense in a 56 to nothing district victory. So there you go. Our week six, Derry Max, Dave Campbell's Texas football assistant coach of the week nominees vote often vote now you can find that on twitter at dctf we are texas football today we're here every weekday at noon talking football in the lone star state we hope you will become a dave campbell's texas football subscriber at texasfootball.com two magazines a year's worth of online content unbelievable stuff more malpal which everyone wants more malpal eh, eh, sometimes <laughs> And you know what else everyone wants more of? It is the Hall of Famer Craig Way. Malpal, let's head over to the hotline and bring on the Hall of Fame announcer. You can see him on 104.9 The Horn down in Austin on Light the Tower on Bally Sports Southwest High School Scoreboard Live and right here every Tuesday for what Tepper hates, as I call, Two's Ways. Craig, how are you today, man? You know what? The show just instantly just skyrocketed up in its intelligence, <laughs> its popularity, and it's just and it, I'm I'm just absolutely uh, honored and thrilled to be on with the two of you. And I love how when you went to the hotline, whereas we always hear pickle, let's go to the hotline. In this case, we hear now, pal, let's go to the hotline. I love, I love it. it. I love it. It yeah, is always fun. Well, we appreciate that. We appreciate any slander any slander towards Greg Tepper. But, uh, Craig, I've got to ask, over there on San Jacinto Boulevard, are we hearing Bijan for Heisman chants going yet? Oh, that rumble's been going on a little bit here and there, I, I, I think, Ashley. And, I, I you know, um, he put it this way. He puts himself in position what with what ESPN's college game day showing up in Dallas this week mm -hmm. and then and going up against the sixth ranked team in the country in a game of that national scope and sense of magnitude. If he has the kind of game that he had against TCU last Saturday, this coming Saturday, I think he's squarely in the Heisman conversation. But of course that's 
far easier said than done mm-hmm. than Oklahoma's defense that Texas will have to deal with. But yeah, the, the, the name is starting to get whispered, no doubt. <laughs> and, and of course, we've got to we've got to focus on that a little bit. You've got you know a, a decent game. A couple people have heard about coming up this Friday in the Red River rivalry for this week for you. Is it? I you've been not dating you, but you've been doing this for a while, calling these games. Is this always a really special week for you in preparation and just kind of the vibe that you get around Austin heading? into the Red River rivalry? Well, it, it is, and, and I'll tell you this, too, Pickle. It's also because I, I you know, uh, from the time I was 18, I was in the Metroplex, and I, you know, went to North Texas like you did. We always heard about how special the game was. I heard about how special the game was in North Carolina when I was growing up. I remember some games uh, back back in the day. And then, and then when I got out to Texas – in that it meant an awful lot or was pretty special to people who didn't even necessarily have some, uh, have a, a dog in the hunt, so mm-hmm. to speak, you know, either, uh, either side had not gone to either Texas or Oklahoma and yet they understood the magnitude and, you know, surrounded by the state fair of Texas. And there's, you know, there's a lot of people who go down there uh, on, on Saturdays, people who don't have a ticket to the game, and they go down there to soak up the environment. They hope they can get into the game. Some say that some people from Oklahoma go down there to pick up an extra weekend job, you know, like working the, the, the ring toss or, or uh, you know, or, or the bearded lady or, or running the Ferris wheel. But be that as it may, it's it's a special time and everybody gets excited about this game. Every fair needs a bearded lady. You, can, you can't you can convince me otherwise <laughs> of that. But, all right, Craig, let's go ahead and transition over into the Texas high school football world. Quite a week specifically we'll talk for a D1. Just an absolute conundrum with three of the top five teams losing. That was Argyle losing to Melissa in their first shutout loss since 08. Cal Allen lost to San Antonio Cornerstone. Um, Tyler Chapel Hill losing to Lindale. None of those programs want to lose. No one, I think, expected three of the top five teams to lose all in one week. I've got to ask you, out of those three, which ones were you kind of most caught off guard by? Well, I think the way in which Argyle was dispatched by Melissa, I think, stunned everybody to be shut out for the first time in, what, 14, 15 years. Mm-hmm. To, to, uh, you know, to have Melissa get its first victory and to do it in, it, in somewhat of a dominating fashion, I think. That probably surprised me as much as anything. We've been talking about how good Cornerstone Academy is. So for them to beat a Cal Allen and shock me, LBJ had played them the week before and got pushed for a while before they pulled away and won, I think, 41-26. So those were the ones, I think, that really surprised me. I'll tell you this, too. What what it does is, I, you know, I was looking over not only the state rankings, but a lot of the, the teams, and I do this occasionally with Tepper, and I'll ask him when he's on my show about – you know, teams that might surprise him to be where they are, be it undefeated or once beaten or put coming off a surprise. Mm-hmm. In the case of 4A, both Division One and Division Two, we get a chance to pay attention to some teams that maybe we haven't uh, been able to pay as much attention to, like a Huffman Hargrave, right. who's, you know, unbeaten. Or, or uh, you know, we've been talking a little bit about Kaufman. Now that they're in the poll, maybe a little more about them. I think there's a big matchup this week. We've talked about sitting for a while. 
well, mm-hmm. I get they get Port Isabel this week. We get to find out how for real uh, PI is this week when the Tarpons play him. So, you know, those are some of the teams. And I've been I've been on uh, the Belleville bandwagon for a while, saying <laughs> that this is a good ball club. And and I think they they kind of slowly ridden up through the rank, risen through the ranks, just as Band has. Band was one of the teams that beat Lindale early in the year. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think we're starting to pay a little more attention to some of the. Oh, by the way, these teams are also in for a Division One and Division Two, and not just the usual suspects. Absolutely, and I think that that leads perfectly here into talking about when you look at the rest of the rankings. A lot of it was kind of chalk. Now. It was a big bye week last week, but with the funny thing, like you're saying, about not necessarily focusing on those big names, but being able to focus on other teams, is we're starting to get into that point of, for instance, a game coming up on Friday at 6 o'clock at Legacy Stadium, Katie Morden Ranch and Katie Seven Lakes, and people might be looking at that like, okay, what's the special thing there? But these are the type of games that starts to really, really have an impact on those big name schools, as in Katie, about whether they'll go D1 or D2 in in the 6-8 bracket. So when you get to weeks like this, there will be some down in Austin, obviously, when it comes to Westlake and Lake Travis and all of those types of things. But when you get to weeks like this, do you start really getting excited about focusing on those other oddball games that people might not realize how big of an impact that they have really on Texas high school football as a whole? I do. It's a great point, Pickle, and I, I refer to it as the trickle-down. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's going to trickle down to where it is. If, if for example, if, if you are a fan of Westlake, of Austin Westlake, if you're a fan of Westlake, you are rooting like nobody's business for Morton Ranch this week. <laughs> you mm-hmm. want a Morton Ranch Mustang victory because you want Katie in D1. Mm-hmm. You don't want Katie. I mean, I mean, Westlake's good enough to be Katie. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're the number one team in the state. And I think, but it's one less obstacle along the way for them and by the way that all that would do is just power up division one in region three all the more as if it wasn't uh you know daunting enough but yes you're right i mean if morton ranch is in there instead of seven lakes then that's going to push katie to division one if if we're all obviously to believe that katie and tompkins are the other two postseason teams at a 196a so yes uh i do pay a lot of attention to those swing games uh, what could happen with teams like Brennan, which has a big uh, mm-hmm. Thursday night game against Taft, and then obviously uh, they're in the San Antonio area, and then obviously with uh, Katie uh, or with Morton Ranch and, and uh, Seven Lakes. So it's a great point. And then moving back to a couple of those uh, bigger names here, we'll, we'll do the game that you and Tepper love to play. And if you have the opportunity, I'll give you three games, to teleport to one of these games on Friday night. Here's here's the three, and we're we're going a little bit bigger schools this week. It's a pretty stinking good week in big school games. Um, we're gonna go 7:30 p.m. Friday at Highlander Stadium. You can watch the Fighting John Kings of Longview take on Highland Park at Highlander Stadium. You can go to a 5A D1 Hell Week matchup all the way out west in Amarillo versus Amarillo Tascosa. That one at 7 o'clock p.m. or how about you go down to District 5, 4AD1, Stephenville at La Vega. Which one are you transporting to? Wow, three great choices. <laughs> Here's the thing. In the case of the Highland Park Longview game, you could probably go to that game, see it to its conclusion, and still have time to get to one of the other games. <laughs> I mean, You're not that wrong. That thing is going to move. 
I think I think Temp and I were saying that thing might be done in an hour forty seven minutes. <laughs> uh, the way that those teams can run the ball. Um, probably though, I'll tell you. The, the game I'd be probably most intrigued with is the one in the panhandle mm-hmm. uh, for two reasons. A, we find out uh, a little more about the the Sandys, uh, if they're ready for prime time. And then perhaps we find out just how serious a contender Casco's can be. And you can only play the teams on their schedule through the regular season, but it does beg the annual question. We asked Ken Plunk about it last week about, uh, you know, getting yourself prepared for that grind in the postseason, what you would have to deal with once you get beyond, say, Region 1, where mm-hmm. maybe their biggest uh, opponent would be Colleyville Heritage, and then you get on into that 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 real death region of, of Region 2 with the likes of a Longview, a Denton Ryan, a Highland Park, those teams out of that. So, you know, those, those are the tests you look for, and I think we find out a little more about the Rebels and certainly about the Sandys with that game at Dick Bivens this week. As always, he is absolutely correct on that. But the Hall of Famer, Craig Way, thank you for joining us on uh, every Tuesday. And, of course, you can hear his call, which we know will be fantastic, on Saturday at 11 a.m. on the Horn for the most anticipated Red Red River rivalry. And before that, he'll be suffering through a, uh, a show with Tepper on Friday night. So, Craig, we appreciate your courage for dealing with him. You know what? I fully expect... No, I'm demanding that there's a T-shirt that's made out of this with you and Mal on that, and it says "Kickle and Mal Pal Girls Week Out." And it, and it, you know, mass produce those. Those have to be done. I, I'm looking forward to that. I love it. I love it. We will it. get that done and get one right to you, Craig. Talk to you later, bud. Take care. There he goes, the Hall of Famer, Craig Way, joining us again. Big week for him, as always, be on High School Scoreboard Live and on the horn for every week or every day of the week on Light the Tower and then for the big call, the big game this weekend. So excited to hear him and I always appreciate him checking in and ragging on Tupper with us. We are Texas Football Today. Well... Yeah, that's a that's a statement, actually. That we are Texas football today. We're here every weekday at noon talking football in the Lone Star State. You, we hope that you will become a Dave Campbell's Texas football subscriber. It is a one-stop shop. It's a lot like the Jelly of the Month Club there. It, it's a gift that never quits giving. Um, we've got... We can have jobs. Yeah, this magazine that comes out every year, which is obviously the huge bearer. But coming up, we're actually uh, on the radar here for our Rising magazine. It takes a look uh, at... All the recruits in uh, the great state of Texas heading in to the uh, the big time recruiting slash signing season, and so uh, our team is starting to get to work on that. So you will get that delivered to you um, and not have to go to the store and find it. So we hope that you'll become a yeah. Dave Gamble's Texas Football subscriber. That is TexasFootball.com/slash-subscribe. All right, Malpal, one more order of business to do here before we get to our top 10 plays of the week, and that is Dave Campbell's Texas Football is proud to honor one head coach in each classification with the Coach of the Week Award. Each coach recognized with this special honor typifies the best in Texas high school football. Congratulations to all the coaches who are nominated or who have won this week. We're going to go ahead and start off in 6A here. Dusty Ortiz from Odessa. First-year head coach Dusty Ortiz has long-struggling Broncos thinking playoffs after OHS rolled past San Angelo Central 41-14 to to even their record at 3-3. And more importantly, 1-1 in District 2 6A. 
in the Little Southwest Conference. 5A, Coach Jason Todd, the South Oak Cliff Golden Bears. Coach Todd's Golden Bears continued to rampage through District 6, 5A Division 2 as SOC earns themselves a statement win over Mesquite Poteet, taking the Pirates down with an eye-opening 77-3 win. Jeez. Coach Todd had them Bears cook in last week, guys. In 4A, Eric Peavy from Little Cypress from Mauriceville. First-year head coach has the Bears hungry for success as the L- as LCM is off to a blazing hot 4-1 start after beating Jasper 13 to nothing on Friday night. That's LCM's first win over Jasper since, get this, 1979. Big, big wow. on you there with Coach Eric Peavy. 3A, Brad Willard from Mount Vernon. Willard, the first-year head coach at Mount Vernon, is keeping the Tigers among the top teams in Beast, Texas, as Mount Vernon is off to a sizzling 5-0 start after a dominant 63-22 District 5 3A Division I win on Friday night. Matriculating down to 2A, Lee Brandon from Groover. After a disappointing 3-9 season a year ago with a young squad, second-year head coach Lee Brandon has helped the Greyhounds turn it around in a big way as Groover's off to a 5-0 start after taking down Wheeler 42-7 on Friday night. On to six-man we go, Andy Bates of Leverage Chapel. Bates's Lions played spoiler to Oakwood's homecoming, getting a huge game from speedy senior Michael Dennis to upset the Panthers 38-28. A great win there. And finally, over to the private school ranks, Jason Kelly of Beaumont Kelly. Kelly's Bulldogs shook off a couple of shaky outings to play inspired defense and got big games from freshman Roy Thomas Jenkins and senior running back Justin Mays to take down Tyler Grace Community 26-28. to So there you go, our Dave Campbell's Texas Football Coaches of the Week in 6A, Dusty Ortiz from Odessa, 5A, Jason Todd from South Oak Cliff, 4A, Eric Peavy from Little Cypress, Mauriceville, 3A, Brad Willard from Mount Vernon, 2A, Lee Brandon from Groover, 1A, Andy Bates from Leverage Chapel, and your private school winner, Coach Jason Kelly out of Beaumont. Kelly, congratulations to all the coaches, and thank you for all you do for your players, schools, and communities. All right, Malpal, it is time for what everyone has been waiting for. Each week we go through the footage captured at Texas high school football games to find our Dave Campbell's Texas football top 10 plays of the week. Quite a few of these coming from Dave Campbell's Texan Live, but a couple of them in um, brought to us by fans. Remember, you can... Enter your submissions by going on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, hashtag DCTFTop10. But without further ado, the Week 6 Dave Campbell's Texas Football Top 10 Plays of the Week. Pun is blocked. Will be returned for a touchdown. Too easy for Langham Creek. On the... From the 37, quick throw to the right. Stroman caught at the 42, backs up, and now he has running room down the near sideline. Stroman inside the 20, and he's gone. Touchdown, Aston Stroman. And Dawson retakes the lead. Did lead the 20. Cinco Ranch does still have two timeouts. 11 seconds left to go. Rutherford looking to throw. Here's one out. Deep down the field. And it is caught. Touchdown. What a catch. 
Carter in motion, gets it going right again, hurdles, and then he runs into Dominic Bailey, who drives him to the ground. Leaps right into his head, ow. Ball will start in the second half. Caught, lateral, Nelson down the sidelines on the hitch and go. Touchdown. 46 yards on the hook and ladder. Toss play, Harold Perkins. Gets out of the grasp of the defender in the backfield. Perkins will reverse this field. Harold Perkins down the far side now. Hurdles the defender. Harold Perkins down the sideline. Are you kidding me? Touchdown, Cy Park. And a first half hat trick for Harold Perkins. Third down, 11 from the 30-yard line. Roper looking right, lobs it up top. Haywood on the coverage, but it is caught! Matthew Golden, touchdown! Nope. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Darn you in credits. <laughs> uh, there you go, uh, our DCTF Top 10 Plays of the Week from Week 6 of the Texas High School football season. We want to remind you guys, any. Thing. If you if you see a top ten play, uh, just just tag hashtag DCTF top ten. We love getting other footage and being able to see talent from all across the state. So if you see them, just DCTF top ten, or you can even tag me Ashley underscore pickle twelve in it. Um, I'm the one that puts that video together, taking you behind yeah. the curtains there. Um, so yeah, <laughs> big big time doings there. But we will uh, continue to do that each week of the season. So DCTF top ten, go ahead and hit that hashtag on any plays you see, and we'll try to get that into our top ten plays of the week video. But for now, we head over to Malpal for America's favorite segment. Final thoughts. Today it really should be your segment because you're the one that told me about this, but it is <laughs> World Teacher Day, which is super interesting. I've got one of my best friends who went to OU. She is now an element. She's a SPED teacher up in nice. Norman. So very cool. to you, girl. Yeah, you're I saw that. Wonders. And I know that that's always real big for Tepper and I to point out this day. Tepper, as you know, Tep wife is, is a teacher. Uh, my, my parents both work in education. And so this is always a big day for us to say thank yeah. you so much to teachers. I know that that's a big portion of our audience too because a lot of coaches are teachers and that they'll tell you that that means just as much as being able to be out there on the field with their guys so thank you to all the teachers out there we genuinely appreciate you and I hope that people do nice things for teachers today if you have a teacher in your life tell them thank you putting up with youth is not always easy <laughs> the youth <laughs> youth youth is not always easy no. so uh, happy world teacher day to all the teachers out there specifically the goat Trisha Pickle we appreciate you um, all right. I think that's going to do it for mm -hmm. us. So thank you for spending part of your day with us. Make sure to like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's, especially since we're back up on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. And of course, see us on TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to our guest Craigway joining us every Tuesday. For Mallory Hartley, I'm Ashley Pickle. Vince, come pick up your Player of the Year trophy. We will see you tomorrow on Texas Football Today.